BTS, Blackpink, Twice. These are the names of some of the K-pop groups you probably heard of at some point, even if you don't follow K-pop very closely. Globally, K-pop album exports are at its all-time high. Just in the first half of 2023, Korean album exports topped $132 million, according to the statistics released by the Korea Customs Service. The United States is now the second largest overseas market for Korean music, worth $25 million. For the first time, it has surpassed China, but still trails behind Japan. K-pop has made its way to mainstream media proper, along with Korean dramas, films, and even beauty products. I'm Sang Kim, Director of Communications at KEI. My colleague Mai Presley and I went to KCON LA, a convention about all things Korea, to find out more about Korean pop culture in the United States. In addition, we will be including snippets of interviews we conducted with convention goers throughout our conversation. Thank you so much for doing this with me. Uh, we have a lot of conversations about K-pop and Korean culture in the office. I'm glad we're turning this into a podcast episode where our listeners can also join us. Uh, so we have a lot to talk about today. But first, let's take a step back and talk about what KCON is. Great question. So KCON is considered like a microcosm of the influence of Korean pop culture in the U.S. and also outside of it. So if you go to the website, it's kind of self-described as the world's largest fan celebration of Korean culture and music. And it was first held in 2012. It's a joint effort between Koreaboo, which is a super popular Korean pop culture site, and CJ E&M's American branch. Right. So it started in 2012 in L.A., but now it has expanded to New York and also outside of the United States, including Japan, Thailand and Dubai and et cetera. Right. Mm -hmm. Is this your first time at KCON? We've been to KCON in New York um, in 2019, but we're from Pennsylvania. So this is the first time we're in California. Nice. Yeah. So finally enough, when we kind of pitched this to our producer, Sam, he was kind of asking us what KCON actually stands for. So I did some Googling and uh, apparently it just stands for K-pop convention, which is very, you know, straightforward. But I do think it's interesting to see how the K branding has become just like so ubiquitous these days. Um, so I think when I first discovered Korean pop culture, the K was more so like to differentiate from J dramas or C dramas. And now it's actually become its own brand. So we're beyond K beauty and K dramas, but we have like K water. I mean, I mean they're slapping that K in front of everything. So it's so interesting to see how it's changed. Not to mention this podcast is called Korean Contacts with a K. <laughs> so we're really putting K and everything related to Korea here. Um, so KCON LA, this was our first time going to the convention. And full disclosure, I, I do want to say that the CJENM graciously provided us with the tickets to the convention and the concert. But this is not sponsored. They did not ask us to, you know, produce anything. This is just from our own observations and our opinion. So what are some of your first impression of going to KCON this year? Yeah. So I'd definitely heard of KCON in passing for like 
the last couple of years. It's always something that's talked about, but I'd never actually taken the initiative to go. And I am really grateful to uh, CJNM for providing us with the opportunity because I actually had a blast. Um, I really didn't know what to expect, but I think we had a lot of fun. It was exhausting, but um, it was great. And I think probably one of the bigger impressions was just how diverse the crowd was there and not just with like race, like the age and the gender, like everybody was there. Everyone was represented, was represented in different ways. And I think that was really unique and kind of fun to see. Yeah. So according to this, the KCON's website, uh, this was the record breaking number of attendees they had. So th- I think the official number is 140,000 people have gone to, I believe, is both convention and the concert. Mm-hmm. And yeah. we we saw them in person. <laughs> yes. They were definitely a lot of people. Um, and I agree with you. It was good to see a very diverse group of crowd. Um, I personally really like seeing parents that came with their daughters and, and um, sons tend to came to support their you know love of k-pop and 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 so on and um to me i've i mean we always heard about how popular k-pop in the united states was and some people some visitors from korea would always ask us is this really popular (laughs) um and because you don't see that on day-to-day live um but we can tell them now that we saw (laughs) in person how popular it was and people you know coming from different parts of the united states even Mm -hmm. from overseas um to really come enjoy k-pop concerts and also convention in general Mm -hmm. And how far did you travel to get here? Well, I came from New York. New York, yeah. okay. I came from Louisiana. Louisiana? I'm from St. Louis, but I go to school at USC. Okay. Yeah, I mean, so like you said, we we experienced it. We stood in those lines. They were crazy. But I think what's maybe even crazier is that, like, when they first started it, there were maybe 20,000 people in attendance. So that is huge to see um how many more people are coming now. So it's come such a long way from that first one they held in 2012. Um, I did kind of look online to talk about, uh, I guess you can't call it super academic research, but I was going on some of your like Reddits and things like that and kind of K-pop communities to see people's experiences with how KCON has changed over the years. And you know, it's it was really interesting to see people's accounts. I wouldn't say it was like complaints as far as the changes, but obviously, you know, going from 20,000 to 140,000 over the last couple of years, it's changed a lot. And I do think that its initial goal was to provide like American K-pop fans with a way to connect with the industry, but also to connect with each other. And I have seen people say that, like, it's become a lot more corporate over the years. So speaking of the corporate sponsorship, we saw that Samsung was one of the main sponsors for KCON this year. And we saw, you know, big corporations like McDonald's, um, Olive Young was also there. Um, and in, uh, in addition to kind of big companies, there were also, we also saw small and medium businesses uh, as well. And I think it really shows that um, they understand that there's a lot of following and there will be a lot of people attending KCON for for exact reason. People want to learn more about Korean culture and interested in um, not only K-pop, but also other things. So I think it's a recognition that these corporates see the the business opportunity, but also for other uh, small and medium business to get engaged with the larger crowd in the United States. 
Hmm. Yeah, and um, I think Sang and I both feel obligated just to poke in for a little reminder. Um, while the government does support um, the industry and they are very interested in investment opportunities, tourism, and encouraging small and medium businesses, we just want to state for the record, K-pop is not government-sponsored. Everyone says it. We know it goes around and it is kind of like a common misconception. But there's a huge difference between, you know, government support and like state sponsored media. So we just want to throw that out there so people can correct that misconception. Right. If you listen to some of the older K-pop songs, um, they are very critical of the the society. Um, and you definitely wouldn't have a government sponsor, you know, music like that. But I mean, it makes sense for the the Korean government to um, see the large following and popularity of K-pop and use that as part of their diplomacy effort. I think that makes total sense from the government perspective, but I totally agree with you, Mai. Um, we are done with <laughs> the argument that the K-pop industry was funded or sponsored by the Korean government. So moving on. Mm-hmm. So um, one thing that I saw, I had kind of talked, I wasn't interviewing people, but just sort of, you know, casually chatting. And this was actually the second in-person KCON they've had since the pandemic. Um, During the pandemic, they actually went completely virtual, which was like the K-Contact or something like that. But it was entirely online. But now, you know, we're back in person. So from what I understand, we kind of witnessed a somewhat more scaled down version Um, particularly in regards to the actual convention part. So I did hear that some of the earlier KCONs had maybe much more diverse um, topics and subjects for the panels. Some of the earlier KCONs actually focused more on gaming, which a lot of people are surprised to hear is making, probably pulling in more money than K-pop and dramas and even K-beauty. Gaming is a huge export. So Um, Yeah, I think a lot of the earlier K-Cons were maybe able to focus on more diverse areas instead of just K-pop. Right. I mean, I'm sure the pandemic has a big impact on big events like this. And we're we're just coming out of it. um, And I'm sure the organizers have thought through many things and... And I still thought it was a lot of there were a lot of people. Again, it was a record breaking number for uh, for KCON this year. But I'm sure there were also kind of difficulties for the organizers trying to have this large number of people um, in in a smaller space. And and that took a lot of organization, of course. Um, So part of the KCON, there were booths, as we talked about. And the corporate sponsorship, um, but there are also panel discussions that and workshops that we attended them. So, what were some of your favorite panels uh, that you that we went uh, during the KCON? I think my favorite panel had to be. Um, so they had actually had a couple with like industry insiders, but my absolute favorite was the one with the K-pop songwriters. So they had four um, songwriters that have written hits for groups like ITZY and Kepler. And probably the most interesting part was none of them were Korean. Um, So we got to kind of get insight into the songwriting process and behind the scenes and also kind of like, how do you write a song for a group in a language that you don't speak and how that's kind of... um, you know, brought to fruition. So I thought that was really interesting. I think there's a lot of actual interest in the behind the scenes part of the industry that people don't really 
get access to. So um, I thought that panel provided a lot of value to those who came to attend it. Mm -hmm. And that panel was fun because they they tried to make music with us together. (laughs) Yes, Yes, Um, we we made a song with them, (laughs) quotations around made, but it was fun. Right. So it was really cool to see how they came up with different ideas and they started writing lyrics like we were as we were just sitting there. Um, and they kind of got the audience involved and in who who do you think this sounds like? Which group does it sound like and feel like? Um, so that was also very fun. And it was interesting to see when someone asked how they became a music writer for a K-pop song. Um, a lot of them did say they were big K-pop fans and they... Uh, you know, because they listen to so many songs, they try to make, you know, a song on their own and see, like, in their head, like, what song would go to which artist. And that's how they got started in, in the, the music industry. So that was very interesting. Uh, my favorite was the one with Nayong Sok. PD, who is a very famous producer um, in South Korea that um, makes a lot of Korean variety shows. So he... Um, so he, recently, he he's famous for the very um, similar style, but a very popular variety shows with you know there's um, Yoon's Kitchen, there's Ginny's Kitchen, and uh, some of them do have different actors, actresses, and also K-pop group. I mean, recently the Ginny's Kitchen had V from BTS, so um, he talked about his philosophy uh, of producing Korean Variety Show, how he recruited V to be on the show. Um, So it was really interesting to see him talk about um, how he makes his show. And also, I believe it was his first time at KCON as well. So I thought it was big, big for KCON to have him in person uh, to come all, all the way to L.A. to talk about his experience. Um, so, in addition to the panels, um, let's talk a little bit more about the booths. So, they, we we were, mine and I looked through different booths. We, of course, visited Samsung and also uh, the beauty uh, booth and stuff. But there were also some interesting booths that we didn't expect to see. So, what were some of your kind of favorite unexpected booths that we saw at KCON? Um, so... Probably my favorite. I don't know if it was unexpected, but I really like the K-Food booth, um, largely because they were giving out free samples. Um, I actually thought that one was really fun because I think food is such an easily accessible way to get into a new culture. So um, I like that they had, you know, things for people to try and examples of what might be popular or super trendy Korean foods at the time for people in the U.S. who might have no idea like what a melon bar is or the ube flavor, Mm -hmm. which is new. I actually was not expecting to see that in America. So that was super fun. Some of the interesting ones that I remember um, were there was a booth from Asiana Airline uh, to encourage, you know, travel to South Korea. There's also Incheon Airport to to talk about how amazing Incheon Airport is. Um, we also saw um, a Sejong Institute booth, which was encouraging people to learn Korean and also how they can access different, um, you know, language learning opportunities. There were also uh, some of the government Ministries booth, and I let me mention the food, uh, food court. K food. K food. <laughs> so K food um, stand was, I believe, was sponsored by the Ministry of Fishery, Ocean Oceans and, and Fisheries. Fishery. Yeah, and I think um, 
maybe a couple of other ones as well. Um, One thing I thought was interesting, so um, when I looked back through some of the coverage and the kind of the ideas for KCON, they also talked about how so many people would get into K-pop and then they'd eventually get into K-dramas and then they'd get into K-beauty or they'd get into K-beauty and then they'd get into K-pop and then K-dramas. So they're so closely intertwined. And I think that was um, kind of a huge emphasis for the boost that they had there. So we had the beauty, but then they also had things like technology because a lot of times people enter into K-culture through like the gateway of K-pop or dramas And then they start picking up the technology as well. And then they also get into the fashion. So I thought that was, you know, a key point for them to have noticed because I know for me, like I got into K-pop first and then, well, actually dramas. And then I got into K-pop and then into K-beauty. So I'm really glad that they noticed these ways that people are getting interested into other aspects of Korean pop culture. Mm -hmm. How did you get interested in Korean pop culture? Okay, for me, um, I had to do a history lesson about like, Korean culture. Mm-hmm. So one of the factors was K-pop. So as I listened to K-pop, I got into like K-pop. Okay. Yeah. And who was the first group you got into? BTS. BTS. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Is it the same for you guys too, or? I used to do just dance, and I used to play like fancy and feel special. Oh. And then I got into like watching the dance practices, and I really got into Twice. Okay. It kind of just brought me into the K-pop. You're a Twice girl. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> and how about you? So my sister like kind of got me into K-pop, and then kind of left me there. So I was like, I just got in the rabbit hole. So like, yeah. Um, also, my first group was BTS, and I like BTS. Yeah. Okay. And I think the KCON itself really showed how the three things you mentioned, they do really intertwine and people get into interested in different things. And the organizers clearly knew uh, that that was the factor. And then Olive Young, I thought it was a really interesting because um, I think with K-Beauty, it, it used to be the brand very specific products were popular, but Olive Young has recently, in, in the past couple of years, opened up their global uh, website where you can actually order things online and they'll be shipped to you. And I've used a couple of times and they ship pretty pretty fast. Uh, and, and just just for our listeners, Olive Young, think of it as like a Sephora, um, but with Korean beauty product. So you can go, to, there are many, many Olive Young stores in South Korea uh, and people literally come with a list of products they want to buy and a lot of things that they have seen on internet, whether that's TikTok or Instagram that was recommended by, you know, different people and they that's one place they can go and, and shop whatever the beauty product that they like. And with with their global website, people can order online and the fact that they also had a pretty large booth um, at the convention, I think really showed uh, the things that are trending right now um, and how people are very interested. There are long lines of people trying to get through the, the Olive Young booth. They were also giving out many samples um, for people to you know try it and see if they like it, and then they can also go purchase. I, I have to mention, well. they were giving out like full-size samples, which was amazing. Like, we had so much toner and sunscreen in our luggage. Um, I will say, like, Olive Young, you know, is a huge brand, but even for some of the smaller brands, there were brands there that I'd never heard of. So it was really great exposure to them, but I did see some reports that on site, just within the like two or three days at KCON, they were selling like $10,000 of product, like just from people lining up and getting these new um, 
I guess a lip clay is like sort of the hot new trend. So kind of every booth had some sort of lip clay. And of course, your typical K-beauty um, trends, like your lip tints and things like that. So, I mean, that's really cool that they were able to sell that much in such a short time um, and gain an entirely new audience. Right. So speaking of a lot of new stuff, um, I was also surprised to see a lot of new K-pop artists that were introduced um, not only on the, the at the convention, but also they had a separate stage for, for the new artists to kind of have their, uh, not a debut, but like an, a, like it, what would you call it? In a way, it kind of was a debut. Yeah. Some of them, it was their debut, at least mm-hmm. overseas. Like mm-hmm. this might have been their first time um, performing overseas or performing at KCON or to a global audience. So I think debut is, is accurate in a way. Right. So like some of the um, artists... The new newer groups, newer and smaller groups, they have their own booth set up um, in the convention floor. And I heard uh, we didn't get to see them, but we heard that they actually would come to the booth um, at a certain time to you know meet their fans. So, I mean, like you mentioned, this might be their first time meeting you know global fans outside of Korea. And and I think it was really interesting because a lot of times some people question is K-pop industry sustainable. Um, and there are many, many groups, new groups that come out every year. And it's, of course, very competitive. Um, but I was kind of happy to see that at least the people that I've seen um, at KCON, they were very supportive of newer groups. Um, and I felt like, you know, like I didn't know who they were, but <laughs> I don't think they knew. Who they were. <laughs> but they were willing to support and they were also willing to listen to their songs. And some of them, I, you know, they were... They were kind of catchy, and I added some of them to my own playlist as well. <laughs> so I was really glad to see kind of like very supportive atmosphere as well, but also providing a good platform for them to be in front of, you know, outside of Korea crowd. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think it's actually that's kind of one of the strengths of it because it does give those lesser known groups an opportunity to build an international fan base. Um, I think it's really interesting because we had two groups that people kind of talk about this a lot where they really are like much more popular outside of Korea than they are domestically. And I think it's specifically because of those interactions that they have with international fans. So we have like ATs and we have stray kids and like people were so excited to see them. And maybe, you know, they might not have that huge support domestically yet, but it's still just so cool that they were able to build a fan base outside of Korea as well. Of course, and and BTS, as we know, um, they were also at KCON long, long time ago before they are, you know, where they are today. So you never know with some of these groups that uh, they could become very, very popular in you know years down the time later down the road, and for. Fans, they can say like, "Oh, I saw them before; they were, they were famous." <laughs> uh, and one thing I really also liked about um, the fan interaction and things that fans could do with the artists was the dream stage. So, I believe this started last year, uh, where the fans they can apply ahead of time that they can do uh, uh, they audition f- to be on the same stage as their favorite K-pop group um, by doing the dances and people vote. Mm-hmm. And we saw a lot of them with, um, wearing kind of like the number in front of them, like a marathon, <laughs> uh, where they audition. And at the concert, we saw them on stage, which I thought was really cool. And how amazing would that be for you to be on the same stage and dancing 
to the song that you've been practicing for so long in front of that many people. I think that's a very cool experience、mm-hmm. for them to have. Yeah, the, the dream concert. That part was actually really cool.、Um, so. The for the whole of KCON, so part of it is a convention, and then like at the the later part of it is the actual concert. So we're not going to go too much in detail with that.、Mm-hmm. Just know that there was a lot of screaming, maybe or maybe not from us, but from the crowd as a whole. Like people were so excited to get to see、um, some of these acts in person. And I know one thing that's kind of been mentioned consistently for people talking about KCON is KCON.、Um, Brings a lot of girl groups that I guess are pretty hard to see in concert just in the states in general. So I know a lot of people were really appreciative that not only are they bringing girl groups, but they're bringing kind of a different roster each year. So they aren't stuck to kind of one company. And some to some people that was sort of a negative. They were like, "Well, if you're a company stand, you might not find too much value in going to KCON if they don't have your favorite label." But I think other people see it as a positive because. You're getting exposure to new groups every single time you go.、Mm-hmm. And this year there were three days of con- like, so three separate concerts each day, each night, and there were different、uh, groups that performing,、mm-hmm. and they were you know placed in very strategically. <laughs> so like the bigger names came at、uh, the day three, and then they were also like kind of mixed in with the first and second day,、um, and and we see that a lot of K-pop groups have been doing. Doing tour in the United States, but for us to see multiple of them in one place, it is very cool to see see them in all in LA.、Um, I I know there are there was KCON LA, sorry KCON New York before. I don't think they're doing it this year, so then maybe that contributed to you know more people coming to LA、um, because there's no LA、uh, New York part of it. But re- regarding the concert, I have to say they were. Newer artists that I did not know about, but I went open minded. So I was very. It was it was fun. It was fun to hear the new song, their songs,、um, and I could tell that they were really trying to interact with the fans as much as they could. They try to speak in English.、Uh, I know there were some people watching it online as well, and the, and so they both both、uh, streamed. Online and also in person. So, and I think I could also see, you know, the the groups performing. They were also kind of surprised how many people <laughs> were、um, at the at the crypto arena, and they were also very excited to be performing, especially for the newer groups.、Mm-hmm. Yeah, that actually was really kind of it was very sweet.、Um, you could kind of see they're trying to hold their like you know professional expressions and trying to look cool, and every once in a while, like that smile would break through when you realize there's like 140,000 people screaming for you. So I mean, that's such a cool opportunity as well. So definitely enjoy the concerts. Agreed, and、uh, unfortunately, we didn't get to see the day three concert because we have to fly back, <sighs>、yes. red eye,、um, and avoid、um, an earthquake, tropical storm, and tornado, and a tornado, and a flash flood warning, and all of that. So, right, yeah, <laughs> which is very unusual to have all three,、uh, all of that in, in LA. But even、um, on the day three, we saw that even with the rain. People were still waiting outside. Yes,、too. they had their ponchos、mm-hmm. on, but I mean, there was there were like three serious weather warnings, and people were still like, "I want to see stray kids." So, I mean, the dedication is there. Yes, they're very there, take dedicated, and of course, again, coming from different parts of the United States, some were coming from other countries. So. 
Um, it was very fun on uh, three days. Um, so it was our first experience going to KCON. Of course, we heard about other people going to multiple um, KCONs in the past. And what do you think was something that you would like to see at KCON? Mm-hmm. So, um, again, I definitely had fun, and I am kind of keeping in mind that we may not have seen, like, the full potential of what KCON could be. But I do think there were, like, some missed opportunities. I think that the people who are coming to KCON is, like, the perfect demographic um, for encouraging people to study abroad in Korea or teach English or even live there. And, I mean— To give credit where it's due, you did have, like, the University of Utah Mm -hmm. had a booth there, and we had the Sejong Institute, but I was a bit disappointed that that was it. Like, I really thought there should have been more, and probably the biggest area that I would have liked to see was with the government support. I really wanted to see, like, immigration there and just explaining to people what's the process of moving to Korea or studying there and what's it like living there because that's kind of that gateway to get that interest in Korea to, you know, to go to the next step. So that's definitely something I would like to see more of. Mm-hmm. How about you? Um, I, I agree with you. And I, we often talk about how we can translate uh, or encourage people interested in K-pop and Korean culture into maybe studying a little bit more about Korea or go into a job related to Korea so that we have more people with more knowledge and um background on Korea to kind of go into the policy world, right? I mean, that's very DC way of the uh, framing things, <laughs> but that's also, you know, how we how we as the KEI in, in, in Washington, DC, um, as a think tank and also outreach organization think about these things. Um, so the people that we've talked to, uh, KCON, a lot of them were interested in going to Korea. Mm-hmm. A lot of them wanted to study mm-hmm. in Korea as well. So I think we should, there's definitely a way to kind of foster that um, in have, having their interest into learning more about Korea and encourage them to go into a career that, you know, will focus on Korea. But I, as I, you mentioned, I think they could have been more schools. Um, not all, I mean, I'm great for, good for University of Utah <laughs> having, for having a very catchy song as well. And, <laughs> and their advertisement was showing everywhere, including at the concert, to let people know about their Songdo office. Mm-hmm. Uh, sorry, oh, sorry, Songdo campus. But I think they could they could have been also been a you know Korean universities mm-hmm. that are well known to the fans overseas, and they could have had a booth um, to talk about you know their study abroad program or their their campus. Um, maybe K. I should have had a booth to talk about. K. I. K. Yes, maybe we should have a booth. You know how to talk about internships for people who are interested in Korea. I mean, we we've seen. I mean, some of our you know previous interns, we've seen the cases where um, people that are really interested in K. K. Pop or um, film or drama. And they have kind of switched their career to study international relations. Mm-hmm. And it, yeah, exactly. Like there's, it's kind of missing that ladder because I, I can speak from personal experience. Yes, I did get into Korea through K pop and K dramas. But what really solidified that interest for me was the opportunity to study abroad in Korea. And that's when I got interested in Korean history and Korean politics. And I think that really cemented kind of my lifelong interest in Korea. Um, Not to put down pop culture, it's great and it's wonderful and I love it. But I really think that, you know, we want that to translate into something more concrete. And it's like, 
now we have these people encouraged to love Korea, but how can they translate that into something, you know, like a job or a career? And that's the missing part that I think we still, you know, really need um, here in the U.S., you know, and we need more um, kind of participation from Korea as well to help foster that. Right. Definitely there's an interest. There is an entry point, but we need to continue along the way, right? And I think the same for the language program as well. I know there's a lot of interest mm-hmm. in people wanting to learn Korean language. Uh, but I know for some schools, um, they have str- they're struggling to continue that program beyond the beginner level. So, you know, whether it's the funding problem or they have faculty issues, um, I know some of the schools um, that I have attended, they, they have the beginner's Mm-hmm. classes, but they don't have anything above. So I had a student who reached out to me who was asking for my advice on how they can continue the language uh, skills and ability and continue learning when their university don't offer the next level. Mm-hmm. Um, and same for the jobs. Um, it, in D.C., of course, we talk about jobs and um, there unfortunately aren't as many open compared to demands, but I, I think there's definitely ways we can find ways to either, you know, have more career-related, it doesn't have to be policy or think tank, but there are definitely other ways that people with Korean background or interest in Korea can go into, whether it's consulting or uh, more commercial or corporate, that side of things. So I think having people interested in Korea is great, but it has to be you know, consistent and kind of continue to the next step. So that's something, you know, they would take time. It would take a lot of resources. And and that's more than just KCON, right? Right. So, and we are are aware of that. Like we aren't expecting KCON to to do that much, but um, we do think this is a great stepping stone just to get those people who are already interested in Korea, just to expose them to other ways to interact with Korean culture outside of K-pop and K-dramas. So in that case, do you guys feel that your perspective on Korea changed after you got into Korean pop culture? Um, I feel like over time it's changed because before I was like, oh, this is a whole, I mean, it is a whole different world and it's like so not the same as like Western or American culture. But uh, to me now it's more like uh, something that I'm just used to and like enjoy and indulge in a lot. So yeah. Um, I would say, like, I didn't know much about Korea when I first, like, got into it. Because, like, I was a kid. Like, they don't really teach you about Korea, <laughs> South Korea specifically right, when you're right, younger. Right. But, like, I feel like now that I'm older and, like, I have, like, a bit more information, I, like, I love the culture. But it's, like, I also realize, like, they have their goods and their bads just like we do out <laughs> yeah, here. Yeah. Yeah. And I feel like now with how technology has advanced and we get so much more information now than, like, way back when. It's like we learn so about so much more. So I feel like my perspective has also like deepened with like learning about the like culture. Yeah, and as like personally, um, as someone born in Korea, living now, living in the United States, it was, um, it was amazing to see that many people in one place who were interested in Korean culture. And, you know, someone at the concert, they were singing in Korean. And to me, that was like, wow, all, all of them, they're, they're all, you know, interested in Korea, interested in K-pop and singing in Korean songs. So to me, that was very interesting. And I was really happy to see that in person. Um, we hear about it all the time. We read about it. But having 
you know, just being there and seeing it for ourselves. It was definitely an experience. And I can proudly tell people when they ask, is it true that K-pop is popular? And we can say, yes. <laughs> yes, it is popular. We've seen it. Uh, we've been to KCON now. Uh, so it was quite an experience. Anything else that you'd like to add about, you know, KCON, our, our experience, um, or Korean culture, pop culture in general? Um, so again, I'm really glad that we went. It was a great experience. I do, um, I guess, to tack back onto the question you asked, I do wish there would have been more about like K-dramas in Korean film. So I'm eager to see what they're going to have to offer next year. Um, so I, I am kind of excited to see who's good. And also, of course, who's going to be performing at the concert. <laughs> of course. KCON has come a long way over the years, and I'm sure it will continue to grow. We could obviously continue this conversation about K-pop and KCON for hours, but we'll stop here. Mai, thank you so much for joining me. We should do this more often. Definitely. Thank you all for listening. We hope to discuss more cultural topics in addition to our policy discussion. Please don't forget to follow us on social media and keep an eye out on our podcast.